This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. time of the pandemic in March. Sunday mornings for me look like this. I get up very early and I engage in my exercise routine. And while I'm exercising, I'm listening to WHUR radio, which is Howard University radio station 96.3 on your dial in Washington, D.C. And even though I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I bring up an app on my phone and I listen to WHUR radio. And why do I listen to them? I listen to WHUR on Sunday morning because of the gospel broadcast, which is called the Gospel Spirit Program, playing wonderful, classic, and contemporary gospel music. So I'm getting into the frame of mind that I want to be in on a Sunday morning before I attend first my East Coast church service and then also my local Colorado Springs church service, both of which I attend virtually. Now, while I've been listening to WHUR, and I should mention, I'm listening to them because where I live, there is not a radio station that plays gospel music on Sunday morning. And one of the joys I remember from childhood growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, is that every Sunday morning, as we were getting ready for church and preparing for church, we would listen to the gospel music radio station before we headed out the door and on the way driving to church in the car. So this is quite a tradition and it's one I haven't had an opportunity to practice much here. And now with the wonderful apps, you can tune in. So as I've been tuning in, I've been listening to Patrick Connery Ellis, and he is the host of the Gospel Spirit Show. Recently, on Sunday, the 19th of July, when I tuned into the show, doing my exercises like I normally do, I then learned that Patrick Connery Ellis had just died from complications of the coronavirus. He was 77 years old. And I was so shocked. And I heard on the show that day, many tributes to him, both from his colleagues and fellow broadcasters at WHUR, and also from community citizens, people just calling in, calling from all over the world because people were listening from far flown places just like I do. And in fact, a man was even calling from the UK to talk about the impact that Patrick Ellis had on his life. Patrick Ellis was the host of this show for more than 40 years. The show ran for about five hours every Sunday morning. It was on the radio since 1979. When he was first asked to host this show, he was kind of surprised and kind of shocked because he had been working at the radio station for a while and he had 
been, in fact, since 1986. He was a station production director. He had been behind the scenes producing lots of shows. And occasionally, if someone was out sick or not there, he might fill in as a show host. However, he was not a regular show host. And the powers that be at the station really wanted him to take on a role as a host. And so they said, come on in on Sunday mornings and this show can be yours. Now, Patrick Ellis really didn't know a whole lot about gospel music because he grew up in the Episcopal Church, which was very formal at the time. And gospel music was not really promoted there. In fact, it was essentially shunned. And it wasn't until earlier in his life when he was visiting relatives in New York City and they took him to the Apollo Theater and he heard gospel great Shirley Caesar, as well as some others, that he really had a chance to experience gospel music. Also, he and a friend were walking down the street one day in Washington, D.C., and passed by another church, and he heard tambourines in there and all kinds of other music, and that was another exposure to gospel music, but it was not part of his own personal history. So he spent 30 days prior to starting the show studying about gospel music. He went to a record store. He listened in to what people were saying. Oh yeah, have you heard this new music by such and such artist? And, and he would hear what was going on. And because when he started the radio program, the, the proprietor of the record store would give him CDs and say, hey, this is a hot CD or a hot record. You need to play this. And so he would play those songs on the radio program and lots of people's music reached a broader audience. And in fact, he was really known for highlighting the work of local artists. And so in the tribute that I heard on Sunday the 19th, many local artists said that their careers were catapulted and took off because of Patrick Ellis's Gospel Spirit program. And because they were heard on the show and people from all over listen to WHUR, big time acts in the gospel industry would ask those local artists to open shows for them, not only in Washington, DC, but in other places in the nation as well. But those local groups were first heard on the Gospel Spirit show. Now, Patrick Ellis was known for not only playing gospel music, but he also had a community bulletin board. He would recognize birthdays and anniversaries. He would announce community events and church announcements, all for no charge. So these were just community public service announcements. He also had a great passion for clothing and feeding people. And their program was called Food to Feed. And this included the homeless as well as others. It was actually the largest annual effort of the radio station. He also believed in caring for cancer patients and he supported the victims of domestic violence. So these were some of the big things that he was a proponent for and that you know he really did care about. He said he was not a person who was originally oriented to being on the radio at all, but rather the radio came to him, he said in a sense, by divine intervention. He grew up in Washington, D.C., and he went to the local school system until it was time for him to go to about the seventh grade. 
his parents really tried to get him into a local private school, which was the Sidwell Friends School. And that's the school that the Obama girls went to. However, at that time, it was 1954, Brown versus Education had just come out. The school was still segregated and he was in the seventh grade and their integration plan was gonna start with the younger grades and go sequentially forward. So therefore it didn't include him. So his parents sent him to Westminster School in Simsbury, Connecticut. And that's where he was then educated at that private school. When he came back to Washington DC, he went to Howard University and initially he started out in pre-med and he said that really wasn't for him. So he got his degree in communications. And one day as he was talking to his sister-in-law, Kay Lindsay, who actually was a radio broadcaster in the New York City area, she understood and heard that WHUR was starting a radio program at the university. So she came to Washington DC, joined the radio station and she invited her brother-in-law, Patrick, to co-host a show with her. And from there, he went on to producing and so on and so forth. And many of his colleagues talked about how he took their radio programs and shows to the next level because of his production capabilities. He built the gospel show so powerfully that after the first 10 years, they had more than 64,000 listeners. And at that 10th anniversary celebration, that celebration was attended by then DC Mayor Marion Barry, Congressman Walter Fontroy, and the Reverend Jesse Jackson. In addition to elevating local gospel groups, mentoring young station talent, encouraging them, propelling their careers, and lending his gifts to their work, he also inspired listeners, gave them hope for the week, calmed their fears. He called some people back to a spiritual place who had left their spiritual life in God. And for some others who had never pursued a spiritual connection with God, they actually got that spark from listening to the Gospel Spirit show. For some people, we're just going through tough times. Like one of the tributes that I heard on Sunday the 19th was a woman who was an incest victim. She had been raped numerous times by her uncle. And she said that listening to this show gave her the hope, the courage, the strength that she needed to get through another week. So what strikes me about the life of Patrick Ellis is that here he is in a job, in a role. He took it very seriously. People said he spent a lot of time determining what songs to play, what way to take his program every week. It was a passion for him. When I think about those of us who are in whatever jobs we're in, taking it as a true mission, a true calling, a true passion, knowing that there are people out there who are watching you, people who are listening to you, people who are paying attention, who might need the inspiration, the hope and the encouragement that you are bringing. That's what his life was about. And that's how seriously he took his work. And we all can take a page from that playbook of his life in terms of how we show up. And, you know, one of the things that he was really proud of and happiest about 
And I learned about this as I was listening to him in these last few months, is that he had moved to a house that was on the Chesapeake Bay, had a beautiful view of the bay. And in his home, he had built a studio from which he could now broadcast his Sunday morning program. And he was so happy about that studio, so proud of it. I almost felt like I could even see it in my mind's eye. I think he only got to broadcast out of his home base studio, maybe for about three shows or so before he got sick with the coronavirus. And in a very short period of time, I think within about, within a week, he actually died. There are some in the country who would say that the coronavirus is not real and that it's a hoax. I know many people personally who have died as a result of this virus. And it's particularly devastating to people of color and to those who may have underlying health challenges and conditions. Patrick Ellis was full of life. He was in the middle of living out his purpose before he was snatched away by the coronavirus. So I say to everyone listening, do not be fooled by any of these sayings that say the coronavirus is not a real issue and a real entity. The truth is, there is a deadly virus out there. And we all need to take precautions, not only for ourselves, but also for our neighbors, for other people who we might be exposed to, who are more vulnerable than we are. So even if you don't think you need to protect yourself, be a good neighbor and protect the next person who might get the virus and not survive because you could be a carrier of the virus and have no symptoms. So when the CDC and when other of our scientists and health organizations say to us, wear masks, practice social distancing and so on, I encourage you to take it seriously. I encourage you to also think about those in the workplace. And I really applaud many of my clients who I know put a lot of measures in place to take this seriously and to protect the workforce. That's how we're going to get through this virus epidemic and pandemic, get through this situation with greater safety. So to your health and in memory of Patrick Connery Ellis, let's go forward and keep the gospel spirit alive. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.